Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Friday, February 7th, 2020, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be back with you finally. Once again, it feels like we've had a little bit of a downtime here due to the busy January I had to go through and, of course, coming back from vacation, but I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. Let's close out the weekend style talking some Penn State football right here on the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast. And we have some stories we need to get caught up with. So we have a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode, including another coaching change for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions, another young player entering the transfer portal and what it means for Penn State moving forward. And of course, this week was the second national signing day. So I'll close out some thoughts on Penn State's class of 2020 and seeing what we have to look forward to in the years to come. Lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. So again, make sure you stay subscribed to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps. So when we do have new episodes for you, they will be available for you right away in your favorite podcasting apps, such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We've got an RSS feed. Go ahead and subscribe. Please rate and review. Let us know what you think about the show, what you want to hear from us moving forward. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help promote the show on those various podcasting apps. Of course, we also want you to be included and be a part of our show. So make sure you stay connected with us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. Send us your comments. Send us your questions. We're going to start doing some live chats on the Facebook page very soon. So stay tuned for all of that. And there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming your way as we continue on this offseason. Get back to our regular schedule. And with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get today's episode started, shall we? We begin today's episode kind of touching base with the story that I sort of missed as I was getting ready to go ahead out on vacation, spend some quality time in Jamaica, soaking up the sun rays. This time of year is always a good thing. If you can do it, I say go for it. But of course, I missed a chance to talk about one of the latest coaching changes that Penn State is going to have to go through as the coaching staff continues to have some turnover. And this has been a recurring topic on this podcast as we update the look of the the coaching staff that James Franklin has. Obviously, there have been some notable changes. We've talked about that to various extents, really focusing on the offensive side. But today we've got a defensive coaching change that, of course, has been out there for a while now. But Sean Spencer, the defensive line coach, is heading off to the NFL. He's uh, joining the New York Giants. He'll be continuing on as a New York Giants uh, defensive line coach. And I think that that's going to be a, a real good job for him. And I really look forward to seeing what he has to do. And now, of course, as an Eagles fan, I'm not entirely enthusiastic about seeing Sean Spencer elsewhere in the division, but it is another uh, coach that's leaving Penn State for a chance to move up in the profession. So certainly in my mind, that says that something is going well at Penn State as far as the coaching tree is concerned with James Franklin. We've seen a number of coaches over the last few years move on to become head coaches, um, get opportunities to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, certainly, a lot of people are moving up. Even if a lateral move in name, if, including Sean Spencer going from defensive line coach at Penn State to defensive line coach at the New York Giants, it's still moving into the NFL. And I think Bill O'Brien said this perfectly back when he was hired as the head coach at Penn State, or certainly it was one of the things that he had to address at some point during his brief time at Penn State. And he said that, 
the NFL is the ultimate pedigree when it comes to football coaching. And there are so many coaches who dream of going as high as they can go as a coach in the football world. And to many guys, that's going to be in the NFL. Now, obviously, a guy like Dabo Swinney, Nick Saban, uh, obviously Nick Saban has been in the NFL, but you know, certainly it's very difficult to suggest that there's better jobs in the NFL than being the head coach of Alabama or at Clemson. Now, obviously, you know, every coach is going to have a different mindset on what they want to achieve and what they want to pursue as far as their own professions are concerned. But certainly, Sean Spencer has been a longtime assistant under James Franklin, so it's a little a little surprising to see another longtime assistant move on from James Franklin, but it's nothing I think that should be too alarming. Yes, Sean Spencer was a fantastic defensive line coach. Not going to take anything away from him. I don't think there's any negative things that you can say about Sean Spencer and his time at Penn State and his time as an assistant under James Franklin. This just looks like a good opportunity to move on and try your luck at that next level. And again, defensive line coaches in the NFL, they've got a lot of really good talent to work with. So I don't know if this is something that Penn State should be overly concerned about, but it is another coaching staff position that's going to have to be filled. And I'm very curious to see where James Franklin goes for this one. Now, obviously, he has had some key holes on the staff to replace uh, for one reason or another this offseason on the offensive side of the ball. And he's gone out side of the program to bring in some new faces and James Franklin is a guy that has always been kind of loyal to his own coaches but when so many coaches are moving on for one reason or another you're going to have to go outside at some point now certainly he's done that with the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach now he's got to do it with his defensive line coach potentially I, I say I don't know if this is a given that he's going to go outside of Penn State to bring in somebody to coach the defensive lineman but I would suggest that it's probably a good possibility that that's the way that it's going to end up going. So we'll see where James Franklin goes from here. I don't know where exactly he's looking. Obviously, this is a search that is continuing on. And I think it's going to not be too long before we figure out exactly where that answer is going to be found. So Penn State is on the search for defensive line coach. There's always going to be some good candidates out there. So I'm very intrigued to see where they go. I don't think Larry Johnson's going to come back. I know a lot of people probably have this dream scenario in their heads where Larry Johnson leaves Ohio State, where he has been very successful, by the way, and comes back to Penn State, where he was very successful, by the way. And I think uh, I think you can just forget about that for right now, at least. You know, I'm never going to say never, but I do think that uh, it's going to take an awful lot to get Larry Johnson to leave Ohio State, come back to Penn State. Now, the one key thing here is Penn State does have money and they are not going to be paying as much for their assistant coaching staff as say Clemson or LSU, but they certainly are well-funded and prepared to shell out a little extra few bucks if they need to. So I think that they can attract a very worthwhile candidate to be the defensive line coach. Don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. Other head coaching news around the Big Ten, certainly in the Big Ten East, uh, kind of dropped on us just the other day. Mark D'Antonio resigning as the head coach at Michigan State. Now, the timing of it is very peculiar because it was on the eve of the second national signing day. But if you've been following the Michigan State conversation throughout the last year, maybe even longer than that, you know that there is some treacherous waters that are seeing a lot of Michigan State people kind of navigate through right now. And Mark D'Antonio has had a lot of uh, negative uh, commentary about him uh, with regard to some potential violations of NCAA rules. And, you know, Michigan State's been in a lot of hot water 
lately. And you know, we'll see exactly what's going to be coming out here with the Michigan State. But obviously, the resignation of Mark D'Antonio, a longtime head coach at the Michigan State Spartans and one of the more successful coaches at Michigan State, uh, is uh, leaving the program. And now Michigan State is in the search for a new head coach. And this is a tough time to be doing that at the end of the coaching carousel. And Various reports have been out there that a number of head coaches have either turned down an offer or you know, taken themselves out of the consideration. One of them being former Michigan State defense coordinator and current Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi, who reaffirmed that he is going to stay at Pittsburgh. Uh, Cincinnati's Luke Fickle seems like an ideal candidate. I don't know where the standing is on that one, but it does suggest it does seem as though Cincinnati is preparing to move forward with Luke Fickle as a head coach. And of course, uh, there are some other candidates that are out there uh, just to keep an eye on. I think Creighton at uh, Eastern Michigan would be the ideal coaching candidate for Michigan State. But I'm very curious to see where they go. Uh, all of a sudden, James Franklin has become one of the longest tenured coaches, uh, not just in the Big Ten, but the Big Ten East. Obviously, he's no Kirk Ferentz, who probably gets some kind of contract extension out of this or some kind of bonus for some reason or another. But it does seem as though... Uh, we can say all the things we want about that Penn State coaching turnover with the staff, but things are going pretty well, I think, overall for Penn State, and there's a lot of stability that you can actually rely on, even though you have a lot of new coaches on the staff leaving and coming in. So I still think Penn State's in a really good spot right now. Uh, we'll see where Michigan State goes there with this uh, coaching change on such short notice, whether they can find a long-term solution or if they're going to have to go a little bit more of a short-term and maybe they find that long-term answer further down the line. And obviously there's some questions about the current state of Michigan State as far as the NCAA is concerned. So we'll see if any of that unfolds as well. I said in the previous segment that Penn State can actually rely on being a little bit more of a stable program, at least as far as the coaching staff is concerned. Because even though there are coaches leaving for other opportunities and other coaches are coming in from outside the program, James Franklin seems to have a pretty good foundation for what they're trying to do with this football program and the coaching staff. So even though you've got new faces, doesn't necessarily mean that your program is in a constant flux of change and transformation. You may have some new ideas here and there, but the bottom line is James Franklin still is running a pretty good ship right now until proven otherwise. Now, there is a fair question to be asked about the roster because players transferring is a little bit of a different situation, especially when you have players that came in with a lot of talent and potential based on the recruiting rankings and the recruiting scouting profiles and all that good stuff. When those players decide to pack their bags and leave for another school, it raises some questions and it certainly is uh, going to be a constant thing to be keeping a close eye on. The reason I say this is because just the other day, five-star running back, former five-star running back, I should say, uh, Ricky Slade has been the latest Nittany Lion to enter the transfer portal. And I will always say this, I think once a player leaves or enters into the transfer portal, it's very likely that they are moving on. And the reason this, this is a little bit of a concern is because this is the second five-star player from Penn State's class of 2018 to enter the transfer portal, the other being Justin Shorter, wide receiver, who has since committed and signed with the Florida Gators. So you've got two of your three five-star players from the recruiting class of just two years ago 
entering the transfer portal. One is already gone. The other is very likely to move on. Ricky Slade's going to have a lot of uh, potential opportunities, I would think, or at least a lot of interested parties contacting him now that he is in the transfer portal. The only five-star player that remains from that class of 2018 is, of course, linebacker Micah Parsons, who's coming off a fantastic season, a fantastic bowl performance. No rumblings that he's going to be leaving anytime soon. He's going to be a foundation for that Penn State defense in the next uh, year or two years, whatever the case may be. But the offense is going to be a little bit of a different situation. Now, as we've said before, the running back situation is really good at Penn State. There's a lot of depth there. And I kind of alluded to the idea that it's going to be difficult to keep all of these running backs in-house during this offseason. So the, the idea that Ricky Slade is entering the transfer portal not at all a shocker to me. And anyone who's been listening to this podcast, you should have been expecting something like this. And Ricky Slade was the person that I thought was probably more likely to maybe at least test the waters in the transfer portal. Real quick, let me explain the transfer portal for anyone who is not too familiar with this yet. You may hear the term transfer portal. You may not necessarily know exactly how it works. A player on any college football team can enter himself into the transfer portal that is managed by the NCAA. Once you add your list, your name to that list in the transfer portal, you are free to have contact with any other college football program that may be interested in recruiting you. They can contact you. It's not an NCAA violation. Once you put your name out there that you're willing to accept communication and offers from other programs, it, that's a benefit for the player. And I think it, it does help with a lot of programs being able to contact those players directly without any fear of being sanctioned for any potential violations. It's perfectly legal. And I think it's a good thing too. Now, of course, uh, that player will then have the decision to move on to another school and go through the transfer process, or they can always take their name out of the transfer portal and stay at their current university. It's not unprecedented. We've seen a couple Penn State players actually pull their name from the transfer portal in the previous uh, year, whatever it's been. So it's not entirely uh, unforeseen, and it's you know, necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that Ricky Slate is easily gone from Penn State and moving on. But it does seem as though the large majority of players that do enter the transfer portal will eventually transfer to another school. And players will enter the transfer portal at any time for any reason. We see a lot of young players that came into their program with some high expectations. They tend to be some of the players that are more noteworthy when they enter the transfer portal. We see quarterbacks. We see wide receivers, of course, with uh, with um, Justin Shorter just earlier this offseason. And I think we see it a lot with running backs, too. So Ricky Slade, again, a former five-star player coming in, he was expected to be the guy that carried on that torch from Saquon Barkley to Miles Sanders. And Ricky Slade, I think a lot of people were expecting that he was going to be that next one but as we saw this past season wasn't at all the case you know he was certainly buried on the production chart and certainly was eventually buried on the depth chart maybe buried is not the right word to be using but we saw journey brown have a breakout season noah kane and devin ford each showed some flashes of what they could do and they were freshmen in 2019 so when you have the kind of production from other young talented players in the same position it's very likely that a player that came in with a lot of hype 
is probably going to want to see if he can break out somewhere else. And again, I don't know if that's necessarily the thinking for Ricky Slade. I'm certainly not trying to put myself in his shoes and think to tell you what he is thinking. You know, it could just be something completely different. Maybe the, there's something going on at home. Maybe he wants to be uh, playing somewhere else. Every player transfers for a different reason. Uh, but playing time does come back to be a pretty common theme with a lot of players that enter the transfer portal. But then, like I said, Penn State had a lot of production from a lot of running backs, and some of them were pretty young last season. And Ricky Slade wasn't really in that mix as much as I think a lot of people expected him to be. And I certainly thought that he was going to be the leader of that running game. Certainly just didn't pan out for whatever reason. And now he's going to get a chance to at least evaluate his options. And I'm sure he's going to have a lot of options because when you're a former five-star recruit uh, with still a, a few years of eligibility left to, at your disposal, teams are going to come calling. So Ricky Slade's going to get plenty of opportunities. Very curious to see where he will go. Uh, again, assuming that he does move on from Penn State, I just think it's very likely that Ricky Slade has played this last game in a Penn State uniform. So we'll see. And it should also mention, and we're going to talk a little bit about this in the next segment, but Penn State did also add another four-star running back in the current class of 2020 with uh, Kevon Lee coming in. So it's another good, talented running back with a lot of potential coming into the fold here. Uh, again, that may not have been a direct impact on the line of thinking for Ricky Slade, but you know, Penn State's running back situation, I still say, is in very good hands in the years to come with or without Ricky Slade. And that's not a slight on Ricky Slade. I think it's more of a compliment to everybody else that has uh, been a part of this program already or will continue to be moving forward. So we'll see where Ricky Slade goes. But you don't need to hit any alarm buttons with that Penn State running game. It should still be very good in 2020. If you've been a listener, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Nittany Lions is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Penn State fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Penn State fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and we look forward to hearing from you. Before we get out of here today, let's share a couple quick thoughts on Penn State's class of 2020, which is now, once again, officially signed. Now, of course, on Wednesday was National Signing Day, the second National Signing Day on the recruiting calendar. Penn State and a number of other colleges locked up the majority of their recruiting classes for 2020 back in the early signing period, which was a few days before Christmas back in December. So there wasn't really a whole lot to pay attention to as far as Penn State was concerned. Of course, they're always going to be in on a couple players that still have to make their decisions. Uh, there wasn't really any drama surrounding the second national signing day for the Nittany Lions. 
uh, of course, uh, around the country. That may not have been necessarily the case for some other schools, but Penn State looked like they had a pretty good chance to secure a top 15 class. And of course, they were in the top 15 after the earliest of the National Signing Day. And according to the composite recruiting rankings, the composite recruiting team rankings from 247sports.com, Penn State ended the year with the number 15 class overall. So no real surprises here. And that's probably the best way to go about this. The, the less drama you have on the second National Signing Day, I think the better. If you're going to have any drama, it's best to get that out of the way right away with that early signing period when they think the, uh, the, the large majority of the players, at least the notable players, the most notable players, are going to make their announcements. So again, having uh, no drama for that National Signing Day in February, it's a pretty nice situation to be in. So Penn State does land a number 15 overall class. Not bad at all. And it's actually the third best class among the Big Ten teams. No surprise. Ohio State once again leads the way when it comes to recruiting. And there's still a pretty decent gap between Ohio State and everybody else. Uh, Penn State, like I said, coming in at number 15. Just behind Michigan, who comes in at number 14. So they're kind of neck and neck as far as that goes for second place in the Big Ten. Everybody's still trying to catch Ohio State, and I'm not so sure anybody will anytime too soon because Ohio State just continues to roll on. But like I said, Ohio State had the number five overall class. According to the 24-7 composite rankings, the Georgia Bulldogs take the number one overall class. It is their second number one overall class in the last three years. Alabama uh, broke up that uh, streak last year. And of course, Alabama has continued to dominate in recruiting. They actually had the second ranked class this uh, this round on the recruiting cycle, uh, followed by Clemson, who continues to just pull way ahead of everybody else in the ACC. And your defending national champion, or your reigning national champion, I should say, LSU comes in with the number four overall class just ahead of Ohio State. Big Ten teams, pretty well represented throughout the top 40. Uh, of course, um, and then, like I said, Ohio State is the team that everybody's chasing. I already mentioned Michigan and Penn State at 14 and 15, respectively. Nebraska always seems to recruit well. They're at number 20. Uh, Wisconsin rounds out the top 25 with the top with the top 25 class and followed not too far down the list by Maryland at 31, Purdue at 33, Iowa at 34, Minnesota at 36. Notice I didn't say Michigan State. Michigan State falls outside of the top 40, just ahead of Pitt. I think they were 43, 44, whatever one that was, uh, one spot ahead of the Panthers. Uh, so that's another storyline to follow with Michigan State. They already had a lacking recruiting class, relatively speaking. And uh, now they've got the head coaching change on the eve of National Signing Day. Uh, like I said, the less drama you have on National Signing Day, the better. Michigan State certainly had some drama to deal with. But I think that Penn State's uh, recruiting class, once again, is going to be a pretty fun one to watch. It helps pad the depth around the the, the roster. And that's something that still is a, a work in progress, I think, under James Franklin with the full of roster of uh, scholarships that he's had to work with for a few years now. Uh, but the depth is there. <laughs> they, they've got some depth at some very key positions. Uh, they've got 11 guys that have already been in early enrolled from the early national signing period. So that will make them eligible for spring practices and the spring game. And you'll get a chance to get them ingrained in the, the offense and the defense and all that stuff. See if anybody in there is going to be able to step up. Uh, a couple key players that I think are going to be fun to watch at least keep an eye on uh, moving forward is uh, linebacker Curtis Jacobs, who is actually the highest rated recruit in this class of 2020, according to the 24 uh, seven player rankings. He is another linebacker uh, with a uh, five-star talent. And I think getting Curtis Jacobs 
throw him into the defense with Micah Parsons. You've got the dynamics for a pretty good one-two combination, I'm guessing, <laughs> down the line. So I think you know, bolstering that linebacker position is something that I think Penn State really needs to get back to. Uh, you know, They will have a fantastic linebacker come through every now and then. Uh, I think Micah Parsons is it right now. But if you can add some real good quality depth to those linebacker spots, that's something that I think Penn State could really thrive on especially defensively, because the defensive line always seems to be pretty well positioned. I think the linebacker position, not necessarily as deep as you might think over the years, uh, you know, considering this is a school that likes to take on that linebacker you mentality. But I think Curtis Jacobs, uh, obviously coming in from Maryland, going to be very fun to keep an eye on him. I'm also going to keep an eye on the quarterback, Micah Bowens. The reason I say that is not because I think that Penn State needs a quarterback. I think they've got the quarterback position pretty well situated. I'm just looking at where he's coming from. He's coming from that Bishop Gorman High School uh, program out in Las Vegas. This is the same high school that sent Tate Martell off to Ohio State and, of course, then to Miami and UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. There's some good talent at the quarterback position that's coming out of that high school. And you know, Curtis Jacobs, oh, I'm sorry, Micah Bowens may not necessarily be on that same level as those two guys. But, you know, I think when you start to look at the lineage of quarterback play from that particular high school, it's something just to keep an eye on. So, again, I don't know how he's going to fit into the quarterback situation moving forward. But I think when you've got a player at that position that's coming out of that high school, uh, something just to keep an eye on uh, once he gets a chance to blend with the offense a little bit, maybe down the line. Maybe he can work his way into competing for some playing time or maybe as a starter. But I'm just going to keep a close eye on him, I think, moving forward because I think he could be a potential uh, diamond in the rough maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's still, like I said, I think the quarterback situation in Penn State's in pretty decent shape. Uh, I don't know if they are relying on Micah Bowens to be a guy that's going to lead this offense, but you know what? Kind of flying under the radar, maybe get him a chance to, to develop a little bit. I think it could be just something to keep an eye on as this offense continues to move forward with some new ideas, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback coach, new passing game uh, techniques probably. Uh, this is going to be a pretty fun offense to watch, so I'm going to keep an eye on everybody. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast for this beautiful February Friday. I know we've got a lot of stuff to get into. And guys, guess what? Next week we get back into it Monday through Friday. Regular daily updated podcast for you guys. Getting the Penn State conversation in the offseason kick-started once again. We are done with vacation. We're done with the holidays. Nothing but Penn State spring football to look forward to from here on out. So we get back into the regular grind of Monday through Friday episodes starting on Monday. So make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcasting app, such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We've got an RSS feed as well. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate. Make sure you review. It helps us out a whole lot moving forward, and we have a lot to get into so make sure you spread the wealth with your friends and family so make sure you're also staying a part of the show by sending us your questions your comments to us on twitter at locked on nittany check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash locked on nittany we have a lot of stuff going on at penn state we're going to bring in some guests in the coming weeks to talk some penn state and elsewhere around the big 10 we'll keep an eye on around the big 10 and everything else going on around the world of college football and we'll throw in some off topic subjects as well to spice things up a little bit keep you guys interested in coming back for more of the locked on nittany lines podcast 
I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFE. Check out my national coverage of college football on athlonsports.com as well as college football talk on NBCSports.com. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Come back. We'll do it all again on Monday as we get back into the regular flow of things right here on the podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you later.